The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 177. Are you ready to think locally and act locally? Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Before we get started, don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at Brian McClanahan. Like my Facebook page, at Brian McClanahan. And subscribe to my YouTube page, at Brian McClanahan. Also, you go to my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. You give me an email address, and I will give you a free ebook. Forgotten Founders and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. And I'm very pleased to announce, and I announced it yesterday through that email list, I have my latest McClanahan Academy course. It's American Constitutions. It is now out and available for purchase. You're going to want to get this class. I'm just going to take a minute or two to talk about it here. It is the meatiest class I've ever produced for McClanahan Academy. It's 40 lectures, 13 hours of material. Um, covering American constitutions from the beginning. Essentially start with the uh, classical antecedents of American constitutions, bring that up to the British tradition, and the English-British tradition, the Anglo-American tradition, I call it, and then I bring that into the state constitutions. We do a detailed discussion of the Articles of Confederation, and I go through the U.S. Constitution clause by clause, and I wrap up the course with uh, discussions of how the Supreme Court has distorted original intent, and I also talk about the Confederate Constitution in uh, a, a bit of detail as well. So this is a great course. If you're interested in learning about American constitutions, not just the U.S. Constitution, but American constitutions, this really is a course for you. Um, there's nothing out there like it. And so I, I spent a lot of time on this course, uh, clearly with 13 hours of lectures, uh, it's a great gift if you don't want to buy it for yourself. If you're interested, if you're a homeschooler, it'd be a great course to include as a supplemental class if your student's in high school and they want to get a government class, but if they want to have a supplemental class on the Constitution or American constitutional tradition, it's a great course in that way. I'm very proud of it. Of course, you can enroll in McClanahan Academy for free. You don't have to purchase anything. If you just go to mclanahanacademy.com, you can enroll for free. But I've got uh, a number of courses now not only on the Constitution, one on the war, one on the Declaration, one on secession, and one on Hamilton. So all the classes really work together, and I reference each class in the course. So um, all of them work together very well, and I think that uh, you would enjoy any of them, but particularly this course on the Constitution. Christmas is coming up. Uh, think about that uh, as a Christmas gift, or again, if you're a homeschooler, something you want to add to your repertoire for your courses for your homeschooled student. And if you're just a student interested in uh, the Constitution in general, it's, it's well worth your time to take this class. Uh, all the lectures average about 20 minutes, some a little shorter, some a little longer. So they're great commute uh, size lectures. And I do have video and audio downloads of those, plus the PowerPoint presentations that go along with it. So it is a great course. Uh, please consider purchasing the class. And it does help support the Brian McClanahan Show. That's one of the ways that uh, people ask me, you know, how can I support the show? Well, purchase something from McClanahan Academy. It's uh, it's how I um, keep the lights on, partly keep the lights on. You can also support the Brian McClanahan Show by giving a, a monthly or annual donation. You can go to brianmcclanahan.com forward slash support. You can support the Brian McClanahan Show that way. And I also have my Brian McClanahan Show gear at redbubble.com. You can get t-shirts, uh, all kinds of items, stationery, all kinds of cool things. So stickers, if you go to redbubble.com. I've got all that there as well. Okay, um, that said, let's talk about the topic for the day. And it's something that I wanted to do a while back, and I just never had the chance to do it. 
And um, I'm sure a lot of people out there like to binge watch television shows, and I'm no different. When there's a good show, I like to sit down and watch it. But I've gotten very selective, picky, in fact, you could say, in the television shows that I watch recently. Um, they have to really capture me in a way. Um, and one of the shows, particularly with shows that are, that are fictional, uh, you know, I do enjoy a good documentary. Uh, but one of the series that I found very interesting, and it took me a little while to uh, to get around to watching it, and um, I was I had to be kind of dragged into it. I'll, I'll say that it wasn't one that I thought from the beginning. Oh, I can't wait to watch this show. But it's Downton Abbey, and uh, Downton Abbey is uh, an interesting show for a variety of reasons, and one of those reasons is because of the relationship between the show and the aspect of tradition. And I like this topic of tradition. Of course, I just mentioned that the Constitution class is all about tradition. I love this idea of tradition. And if you're not familiar with Downton Abbey, uh, if you're not familiar with the concept of the show, it actually is a 20th century, early 20th century, look at English or British aristocracy. And so it has this, I mean, people watched it because of the manners and because of the dress and all these things. Uh, and I think that uh, you know the, the costumes and the look and feel of the show were were excellent. I, I, I cannot uh, criticize the historical accuracy in that particular way. Um, it's a it's a it's Edwardian England. It's it's a wonderful look at uh, the life of the aristocracy and servants. You have this you have this back and forth between the life of servants and the life of the upper class in England. And then also in between that, you do have some discussion about middle class England and, and the rise of the middle class. So you have this, this interesting look at socioeconomic uh, distinctions in England. But some of the things I liked about it um, had, to do, had nothing to do with that. And of course, they get into major issues. It starts with Titanic, uh, the sinking of the Titanic and how that brings about a new heir to the Downton Abbey uh, family. Um, and then uh, they get through World War I, of course, and uh, up into the, the 1920s. They, they finish off on the eve of the Great Depression. And so how, how, the, how the life changes over that time in terms of the manners and, and uh, situation in England uh, or Great Britain uh, with the aristocracy, the, the lessening of the aristocracy, their power. I mean, World War I did a tremendous impact on these uh, large estates in England, uh, and, I, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But the thing that I loved, again, was this, uh, this interest in tradition. And in the first season, there were a couple of really poignant uh, comments made by Lord Grantham, who was the, uh, the uh, patriarch of the estate, in one particular case, so he, I'm not going to spoil the show for you, but a new heir is is brought into uh, the estate, and he's of uh, middle class origins. Uh, he's um, uh, the son of a of a doctor. Uh, he's a lawyer, and so he works. He works for a living. He actually has a job. Now, of course, at Downton Abbey, the English upper class don't have jobs. Uh, they they live a different kind of lifestyle, and it's it's one that I'm sure. Uh, anyone watching the show would think, wow, that would be great to not have to work. And you have this inherited wealth. And, of course, you can live as a country squire because essentially that's what you have with Downton Abbey. And if you look at 
English tradition. And of course, the Abbey, uh, the family came into the money that they have uh, in the 1800s, in the 19th centuries, when they really started uh, becoming very prominent landowners. But it's it's very medieval, um, you know, uh, in its in its feel. You know, in, in the in the Middle Ages, uh, into the Renaissance period, of course, and and forward, uh, one of the things you had were these English country estates. And every time I watched the show, I would think about American history. So I'm going to tie it into that. Um, you had in this particular estate the the the. Lord Grantham not only owned the estate, but also the town. Uh, he was the proprietor of the town. Essentially, the economy worked because of Lord Grantham and because of this inherited money. You had tenant farmers who had their land because of Lord Grantham. They, le- they leased it from him. And so this is very medieval uh, in its, in its uh, structure. Uh, you, ha- you would have, of course, the feudal lord, then he would control all the land. And so nothing really... You had some modifications that, of course, over time. You didn't have serfs anymore, obviously, in the 20th century. Uh, But you also had this particular situation uh, in the United States, uh, in New York at one point, for example, with the patroon ships. Now, they didn't control entire towns, these uh, patroons, um, these patroon ships, but uh, they did control large estates, and they certainly were, without question, uh, the uh, proprietors, the... the, uh, in essence, feudal lords of their estates. And then, of course, I kept thinking about uh, the South in this particular, uh, in this, during this particular show, and Southern estates, Southern plantations, because the same thing was there as well. Now, of course, the labor system is different. Uh, in Downton Abbey, you had free labor, uh, but you had this entire structure built on the backs of servants. And that was one of the interesting parts of the show. A lot of people liked it because of that, and in the, in the interaction between the servants and the uh, family itself, and also the lives of the servants and, and how they had to live, how they were uh, forced to live at times. You know, the, the servants, uh, it was unusual for servants uh, up until the 20th century to be married. They were essentially married to the estate. And this was not, uh, I mean, if you go back to France, for example, and look at Louis Fourteenth and Versailles, uh, Louis's valet, or as they call it in uh, Downton Abbey, his valet, was married but never saw his wife. He, he was essentially married to the king because his entire life revolved around the king. And you had that also at Downton Abbey. The servants, their entire life, every day of their lives, revolved around the lives of the family. The butler, the valets, the housemaids, the ladies' maids, all of these people were tied in to uh, the family. And I think you can find that that's the case, no matter what the situation you had, no matter the, the labor relationship you had, when you had these large estates. And it, if you go back and you read what Southerners said about uh, their labor uh, relationships in the antebellum period, um, they at least themselves considered, particularly the house, the house uh, slaves, to be like a part of the family. Uh, they weren't, of course. I mean, the slaves didn't view themselves that way, uh, ultimately. Uh, the slaves understood their status. Uh, and so this is where you get this debate in, in, in American history, uh, whether slavery was paternalistic or capitalistic. I think what you find in Downton Abbey was certainly a paternalism that you can also, I mean, 
they viewed it that way. And Southern plantation owners viewed it that way. They viewed it as paternalism. They didn't view themselves as master capitalists. In fact, they looked down their nose at capitalists, those who were merchants, those who made their living shuffling paper, paper jobbers, in so many ways. And this is the thing that I think you get if you go back and read uh, American colonial history. And you look at cavalier culture, and you look at who these people were, the distressed cavaliers who would come over to uh, the New World and establish plantations like they had in England. Remember, and, and, and Downton Abbey gets into this, if you, well, if you don't know this, you had a, a law in England called a primogeniture, or sometimes it's called entail. And Abbey, this is why you have this male heir selected in Downton Abbey. The oldest male heir gets everything. The daughters didn't get anything. The next son didn't get anything. They, could, they, they had a title, but they didn't have the estate. You didn't divide the state up and give you know, a part to this son, a part to that son. The oldest got everything. And so you had these distressed cavaliers come over to the New World, and they established the states just like they would have had in England. They live the English country life. We, when you look at English politics and the development of that, you had the court and country party. The country squires... The Whigs is what they were. I mean, these people live because of primogeniture and entail. Now, of course, that was abolished in America after the American War for Independence. So you didn't have that anymore. Uh, but you certainly had people wanting to live the life like they had in England. And so that developed this type of manners and rules and customs and this paternalism that you find that was uh, so heavily uh, important in the lives of these individuals. They viewed it that way. They viewed themselves as the patriarch, not only of their own family, but of an extended family that went beyond their own, uh, their own kin. It extended out to their servants, whether they were slaves or free. It extended out to their servants. This is how they viewed their life. Now, we can look at it again, and, and, and Downton Abbey gets into this, that the servants themselves didn't always view it this way. We know slaves didn't always view it this way. So you have these two different worldviews going on. Um, and it, it's an important to understand that. These people were not, uh, they, weren't, they weren't evil people. They weren't bad people. They were living a life that they had inherited. And I think that's one thing that Downton Abbey really does a nice job with. This is an inherited life, and there was a responsibility in that inheritance to maintain that life for the next generation. I love, there's a few lines in here that I really loved, and one of them was from Lord Grantham, when he essentially called himself a placeholder. It was his job to pass down Downton Abbey to the next heir, and it was the next heir's job to pass down Downton Abbey to his heir. It was a responsibility, a social responsibility, not just to... Uh, the the heir, but also to the family to ensure that Downton Abbey maintained um, its prominence, a social responsibility. And there was a scene where Lord Grantham took out his, his heir, his name was Matthew at the time, took out the heir, and he stops and he looks back at the estate and he says, um, I'm sure when you look at the estate, all you see is a bunch of bricks, and, uh, and you look at it, and you see a roof that's going to leak, and you see uh, you know, problems with the house. You see all of these things that are going to arise. You see a house. 
you see problems. Because, of course, Matthew, again, son of a doctor, not really comfortable with his life as a country squire at first. He didn't really understand it. And I'm going to get into that here in a second. You see problems in this estate. But Grantham says, I see my life's work. I look at this house. I look at the estate as I walk around. And I see my life's work. And Southerners viewed their own plantations that way. I mean, Nathaniel Macon viewed his plantation as his country. Thomas Jefferson called Virginia's country, but really that, that country didn't go beyond eye level with his mountains. That was his country. Monticello was his country. Uh, George Washington with Mount Vernon. James Madison with Montpelier. So it was, it was their country to have these. Um, you know, Calhoun with Fort Hill. Uh, these were their countries. This estate was everything. Their lives stopped at the border of their land. And so as Southerners acquired more land, that was the point. It was a recreation of this English country life that Downton Abbey really does a nice job portraying. There was another interesting conversation in this first season with, with Matthew again. And, and Matthew was bristling at the valet that he was assigned. Uh, you know, a man that would dress him, choose his clothing. And Matthew kept, you know, I, not, I'll pick my own clothing. I'll dress myself. And, and the valet uh, didn't really care for this. He was, he was serving as a valet and a butler to Matthew and his mother. And he didn't really, he couldn't understand why this young whippersnapper wouldn't want um, this, uh, wouldn't want the, the courtesy of having a servant like this. And Matthew, of course, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a son of a doctor. I'm middle class. I don't need all this stuff. I don't need to have the trappings of aristocracy. I don't need it. And uh, he, he complains, to, he's riding a bike, and um, he's not even having you know, anyone drive him or anything. And so he complains to Lord Grantham about this. He says, you know, I'm, I'm just going to let my valet go. You, you think that uh, you could find something else for him? And Grantham stops him, and he says, you know, very, very fatherly. This is, again, paternalistic, very fatherly. He stops Matthew, and he says, well, um, and I think Matthew made the statement that a grown man doing this stuff was kind of silly. He was minimizing. You know, uh, of course, the, the valet, his name was Mosley, was much older than Matthew. And uh, Matthew thought, this is just silly. This grown man can't find something else to do. Why? His whole life, I mean, he's, uh, he, he's just waited on people. And so, so Grantham stops him. And he says, wait a second here. Who are you to minimize the life work of another man? This, this is what gives him value. Are you, when you take over this estate, are you going to let all of the staff go? Are you going to let, what about, what about the maids? What are they going to do? What about the butler? What is he going to do? What are all these people going to do? We provide a life for these people. What about the people in the community? Are you going to sell everything off? Are these people never going to have a role again? And who are you to minimize their life's work? This is what they do. Who are you to take that away from them? in other words. And I found that uh, conversation to be so interesting because, again, it's the paternalism of this traditional order of English society which found its way into America and held on longer in the South than anywhere else. Even when you look at, and of course, in, in, in Downton Abbey you had uh, Lord Grantham was married to an American, and the American was from New York, and they had acquired their money um, they were kind of old money, but more, I mean, the, the, uh, the, Grantham, the, the, the English looked at them as new money. Uh, and they lived a different kind of life. 
um, their their lifestyle was much more flashy. Uh, it wasn't as traditional. And so that new money in America, you had this contrast between old and new money several times in the show. In fact, the oldest daughter was engaged to a, to a man with new money at one point, an Englishman with new money. He was a newspaperman. And so you had this contrast at times. And you had that also in America. You had Southerners who saw themselves as old money, um, who viewed their life differently than those uh, who had new money. Uh, and in fact, when you get to the colonial period, you look at how Southerners would often, uh, you know, criticize Northerners and vice versa for their lifestyles. If you go back to the Philadelphia Convention, this was discussed over and over again. We have Southerners that live a different way than us. Um, people didn't understand from the North when John Randolph would come in in his hunting boots with his dogs into the Congress because he was an English countryman. I mean, that's basically what he was. And you look at Downton Abbey and you look at their activities, those hunting it was shooting, and they talked about this a lot. It was fishing. Uh, it was the sport of the upper class was these type of activities. Hunting, fishing, shooting. And if you didn't go shooting, there was something wrong with you. They actually measured if a man was a real man, if he could go shooting, if he could ride a horse properly, if he could go on the hunt. This is how they measured the value of a man. Did he fit into the society? Could he do these things? It wasn't just about your money. It was about could you, could you uh, act in the proper way when it came to the, the uh, sport of the upper class. These people didn't go out and engage in racing. They did play cricket, and they had an annual cricket uh, event, uh, where, uh, which uh, drew, they had the town against the estate, and the estate had the servants uh, as part of the team. So again, here's that paternalism. They weren't part of the town team. They were part of the, of the team for the estate. And so they were part of the family. I mean, it, it's interesting how all that worked out. Uh, and I think that you would find that, again, this paternalistic attitude, you'd find it in the South in ways that most people couldn't understand. Um, and when you go back and you read, again, you read enough Southern history, you see this stuff. Now, again, you have different views. The the The... The servants didn't always view themselves that way. The slaves didn't always view themselves that way. But the but the masters of the estate certainly did. Uh, the other one of the other themes that you had, of course, is upward mobility in England. Was there a amount of upward mobility? Uh, and you had um, a fairly scandalous situation in the uh, in the show between uh, the driver, the chauffeur, and one of the daughters. And uh, you know, so there's there's a romance, a budding romance there. And I'm not going to get into what happens, but uh, it deals with this issue of upward mobility. And of course, one of the other things is this chauffeur is also a socialist. And so you have the socialists starting to chip away overall, not, not in this particular household, but they start to chip away at the view of the aristocracy. And of course, you have women's rights and all these other kinds. They bring in all these social issues into the show, and they do a wonderful job with it because they're not, uh, they're not, the show is not overtly anti-aristocracy. And it's not overtly pro-social reform. Um, they balance both out. And I think that's, that's an interesting part of the show. You don't walk away from it feeling like, man, uh, these people, uh, you know, they just bash the aristocracy. It's all about how bad the aristocracy is. They do make fun of Americans, which I find great. 
Um, and so I, 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 I love that part of it, making fun of Americans. Because Americans, in many ways, and wealthy Americans, particularly in this time period, were rather disgusting in, their, uh, in the way that they showed their money. And, of course, these are northern Americans, which I find even more fun, because um, you know, southerners are not part of this new money uh, that's, uh, that's often criticized. Uh, in fact, when you go back and look at, at Southern history, they would, have, they would have acted very much like these individuals from Downton Abbey. So you have these, these themes. And then one of the other themes is uh, the erosion of these estates after World War I. We don't, I think we take for granted, we're now in the, in the centennial of World War I. We're, we're right at the point where that's going to start wrapping up within the next year. And we, we take for granted the impact that that particular war had on these, on this particular type of social environment all over the world. World War I did much to bring down uh, the aristocracy. Uh, and part of that was because it was the aristocracy was viewed as a cause of the war. It was viewed as a problem. It was viewed as the thing that brought this, this great big war about. Remember, World War I was a big family squabble. Uh, King George and the Tsar and the Kaiser were all related. Uh, the English aristocracy were, in fact, um, German. And so they're all related. And, uh, and at the end of the day, we, because of the carnage of the war, because of the influence of the commoner and fighting on the front lines, you had a lessening of these uh, you know, social, these social dynamics and uh, the social uh, dichotomy between uh, you know, upper class and lower class in England. You started seeing that wear down um, over time. And so these estates are being sold off. People, these large landowners are going bankrupt. They just can't afford it. The entire lifestyle that they had supported them, it's all, it's all fading away. A lot of that also had to do with the changing economy, foreign imports. Uh, it was, it was uh, not as uh, uh, economically viable to have your tenant farmers anymore and to have your small farms. You started having large commercial farming operations, which uh, produced, uh, started producing uh, the, the climate which would end the necessity for these tenant farmers. And so all of that, and get into tenant farmers and how these people are losing their livelihoods. It's an interesting show. Now, I will talk about manners in it, and I think this is one thing that is lasting. Um, and one thing that I think people that have watched the show and anyone that, um, that I've read about the show, you know, when I read, and I haven't really talked to a whole lot of people who have watched the show, um, but the manners of the show and the manners of, of England at this time it's refreshing. You walk away from that particular um, show and you think to yourself, gosh, if people would just act like this today, if we had these type of manners in modern society, how much nicer society would be? And it didn't mean that people didn't do awful things because they did. It didn't mean people, that, uh, didn't mean people weren't rude to each other because they were at times. But that formality of the manners actually served a purpose, and that was not just to have a social caste system, but to create an environment of respect. And I watch, you go around in modern society, there's no respect for anybody or anything anymore. Um, one of the things that the South had always been known for was its manners, and that is quickly fading in the South. Um, and, and part of that, of course, is this view of democracy. Everyone's equal. You don't have to show anybody respect. I am, you know, it's, it's the, it's the vive yo. I am who I am. Listen to me. Long live me. Um, and there, there's no deference. There's no respect. You see it all the time, uh, in, in interactions on social media. Um, and of course, you know, 
being snarky on Twitter is something that makes Twitter go. Um, but but not just that. Um, people think that they can just call you all kinds of, of names or or uh, you know they they show you no respect. Um, and so the manners of of uh, Downton Abbey are something that really draw you in. And I think that's one thing that uh, people really enjoy about the show. You're taken away to another place, to another time, where manners were actually important, where people actually had uh, respect for each other, and uh, you didn't have all of the breakdown of of uh, these type of traditional roles between uh, male and female, uh, men and man and uh, man and man. I mean, how how men interacted with each other, how men and women acted interacted with each other. It was refreshing to watch a show like this, and you go and you see. Uh, how people do these things now—it just—it really turns you off. It turns your stomach in a lot of ways. Um, if you if you watch this and you get that that sense for for longing for a time when manners were important, and that was the way, of course, in the South, uh, long uh, for a long period of time, up until really the last say thirty years. And I think one of the things you see in modern American society is the breakdown of manners. Uh, you, we've seen it with the Judge Kavanaugh fiasco and how people interacted and the the uh, just the spite and the nastiness of the left and what they do to people now, how the left conducts itself. There's no manners. There's no respect. And uh, that's probably the most disgusting thing about it and what turns people off the most. Americans, for all of their uh, talk of egalitarianism, everyone's equal, they still particularly... Um, I would say that people on the right more. They still want manners. They still want people to show other people respect, and um, and I think that uh, you know this was one of the critiques of of perhaps, and it's one of the reasons why I think that they chose to have a prosecutor come in to show even Dr. Ford respect. People wanted all the individuals in that particular situation to be treated with respect. And uh, not everyone was. And I mean, it's one thing that people said about Trump. He didn't treat uh, Dr. Ford with respect at one point. And I think he was just, he, he, he was fighting back against and using the left tactics against themselves. And unfortunately, he had two individuals, Ford and Kavanaugh, drawn into that. Uh, the lack of respect uh, was across the board in many cases. Uh, but not just that, uh, particularly when it came to Kavanaugh. So, um, that's one thing I really enjoyed about Downton Abbey was the was the manners. But there are so many other parts of the show. It's it's six seasons. Uh, the shows are you know about an hour long. Um, there's only eight or nine of them in each in each season. So um, it's 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 an easy binge watch uh, uh, season series. Uh, and so I would highly recommend you watch it and watch it with this in mind: the historical value of tradition, the historical value of. Um, these relationships between people um, and, you know, relating back to American history and how Americans in many ways, particularly in the South, were dr- were part of this traditional English country lifestyle. And I think uh, that's, I, I watched it over and over again and said, you can make this in America. Now they are going to make this in America, but they're going to do it with the Gilded Age. And I'm sure it's going to be dramatically different. The manners and customs and these type of things will not be the same, but they have, the producers of Downton Abbey are producing an American version I think it's called Gilded Age or something like that. Um, and it's going to be out, I think, next year. So I'll be watching that too. But this show, tremendous, tremendous show. Well worth your time to watch it. Uh, so don't forget to get that new McClanahan Academy course on American constitutions. It does get into a lot of detail on the traditions. And I'll see you next time on The Brian McClanahan Show.